Hello and welcome to another edition of Morning Hoops Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Denou. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Denou. He is Kyle McEwen. You can find him on Twitter at Roto Kyle NBA. Raise the roof. What's up, Kyle? Hey, Anthony. Uh, nothing much, man. It's going good. I'm excited to be talking about basketball tonight with you. That's right. We And we mean it. Yeah, heck yeah. All right, so four games tonight, but we want to get to some injury news and some other interesting news. Uh, before we get there, let's talk about Otto Porter. Yeah, Otto Porter, He the, the Bulls came out with an update on his injury status. He's been out most of the season with what we thought was a bone bruise in his foot. And now we're hearing that after further evaluation, the Bulls have said that his recovery time and the track that he's on is most most consistent with a small fracture in the foot. So we still don't know exactly what he's, what auto Porter has been diagnosed with, how long he's going to be out. The bull said that he'll be reevaluated again in four weeks. We keep getting random updates and it doesn't even feel like they come on the, the times that the team says they're going to give us updates as much as it's just like, you know, almost every single week we keep hearing, Oh, it's going to be a couple more weeks. It's going to be a couple more weeks before that. When we when we came into the season, we didn't the the Bulls randomly came out one game and said Aldo Porter's on a minutes limit. Uh, he's kind of limited in back to backs, but not necessarily all back to backs. It's just there's there's been a lot of vagueness in regards to this whole Auto Porter situation. So that's been frustrating uh, if you play fantasy sports, but also if you're a Bulls fan because he's a max contract player who you thought was going to be your primary wing defender on a team that you were hoping was going to make the playoffs this year. Is there a hope that he comes back, plays well for a month to, you know, four to six weeks and then gets traded and gets the bulls some, some more future assets, I guess. I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I, I'm looking at dread, dreadful stuff right now. When you, when you don't know anything, all you can do is speculate. So right now, all we know is that, Auto Porter's been hurt all season. He's going to miss four more weeks at least and then be reevaluated, which means we'll get an update on when he might return, which might be another four weeks when he might get reevaluated again. So it's just so he could a, play minimal. He, you're saying he could play minimal games before the trade deadline, if if even. I, we don't know what the injury is, really. So yeah. who know? And a, a foot fracture? He might not come back this season is, is what I'm saying based on, I mean, just based on the, you know, the possible outcomes and what little we know right now. So it, it is what it is for the most part. It's auto Porter. We've already been watching the bulls be what they are uh, up to this point this season. And I, I, I don't know how much more there is to say about the bulls or this auto Porter situation. Uh, well, let's move on to Kevin Love, uh, KOC from The Ringer. Uh, Kevin said, O'Connor. Yes. Not Kyle O'Quinn. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's KOQ. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, Con. some people might 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 have thought you meant the Knights of Columbus, too. You know, my uncle's a member. You know, they have fish fries on, sure, on the weekend. Sure, my grandparents. Yeah, yeah. One, a heck of a oh. fish fry. A heck of a fish fry back in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Kevin Love reportedly wants the Blazers are his preferred destination. You and I have been talking about this uh, a few times over the last week and how the mellow signing might've impacted that. But let's talk about the possibilities. He grew up in a suburb of Portland, Lake Oswego. I was there for the first time, uh, a month or two ago, and it is a beautiful little town, man. It's, it is very cool. It seems like a very cool place to, to be from. 
I definitely want to go back and hang out in Lake Oswego. Well, I mean, uh, the the Northwest, it's all lakes and rich forests, so just tons of color. And, um, you know, you can drive up into the mountains and, and be in a snowy scape, or you can d- drive down out of the mountains in the middle of winter and be in more of a kind of moderate or temperate zone. So, it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful place filled with little pockets of uh, paradise. So. Yeah, yeah. He, I didn't know that he, that Kevin Love grew up out there, but it makes total sense. Um, given that he's, uh, you know, a, f- a family member of the Beach Boys and they're all hippies, and then Portland's kind of like, you know, hippie heaven. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, there's, uh, there's a lot of reasons why this makes sense, but for him, it's a, it's a homecoming of sorts. So it, uh, for the fit would Did, be, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Does the fit work? basketball wise. And then what do they have to trade to, to get a Kevin love? Do they have to give up Hassan Whiteside? Do they give up a future player like uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who's not healthy right now and probably isn't going to be a big contributor this season? I think Nurkic stays. I think a lot of this, uh, what about Bazemore? I mean, he's what he makes what $20 million. Is that contract a possibility to move? Does Nasir little, have to be involved you got to think that portland wants to hang on to simons at the very least well shoot the fact that kevin love is the player that he's kind of become over the years someone who's oft injured or uh seems to lack a a love for the game at times i don't want to put that too much that narrative too much on him because he's on this this terrible Cavs team right now and 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 it's it's hard to enjoy yourself when you're playing on a team that has no hope on it. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's just how much how much does does Kevin Love deserve you know deserve to bring back in a trade? And for the most part, if if you're getting Kent Bazemore, and I believe his deal expires after this season as well, then that should be like enough. I mean, there's going to be have to some, something else is going to be have to be included. But I don't know if I'd be thrown in in a Sierra Little if. If the Cavs are getting long-term salary relief, I don't think I'd be throwing in a, a Nasir Little on top of that. I think I'd be trying to make things work in regards to like uh, a Rodney Hood and then Anthony Tolliver or Mario Hazonia, some kind of rotate, some kind of piece that's on the fringe of the rotation, not a uh, you know somebody you're you're actually planning on being of use this season, which Nasir Little still should be. And let's not rule out the possibility of a third team getting involved where maybe someone like a Rodney Hood or Hazonia end up on a different team and and some of that players uh, team that team's players end up in the Cavs. I mean, there's lots of different ways this could go down. Yeah, yeah. So so I mean, ultimately, the, the probably the, the more important conversation about Kevin Love potentially being on the Blazers is something you brought up in regards to Kevin Love playing on that team is the idea that, well, can you move Carmelo Anthony down to small forward? And I think that a lot of teams would say no, but the this Trailblazers team has had so many stub toes this season in regards to injuries and their expectations already as, as they've moved forward. If they're making a play to try to win now, uh, you wouldn't – I guess if, if they were already willing to go the Carmelo route, you, they're kind of throwing up Hail Marys. So maybe the Kevin Love uh, flyer that if they decide to take that, it's um, it's just another thing where they're like, look, we're going to roll the dice and hope that we have good enough offense to get us over whatever hill of a lack of defense we we are creating. Let's suppose this goes down and Kevin Love ends up on the Blazers. You got Carmelo and Kevin Love on the Blazers. What would your 
what's your view of the front office making these moves? Is it like, okay, it was a last ditch effort? Is it a, almost a PR thing to, uh, you're getting attention on the team in both ways, plus bringing one a hometown favorite back to Portland? Or is this really like, oh, these are sound basketball moves? It's tough to say now on the Kevin Love side of things because we don't know what they're going to have to give up. But what would your overall takeaway be from the front office perspective? You can make criticisms about the idea of acquiring Kevin Love because he's got three more years on his contract at a at a hefty salary uh, over thirty million the first the next two years, and then um, <clears throat> another twenty nine million in that that final year. But if you can add talent to an already championship contending team or a championship level contending team, which I think you have to give um, some credit to the trailblazers given that they were in the Western conference finals last season, um, as being a team that, you know, could get to that level and with another piece could get over the hump to be a championship contender. Then yeah, why not? You've, you've got to, you got to keep trying to, to throw different, uh, pieces into the puzzle with, with Lillard there and until you can figure out the, you know, the right combination. So, and, and ultimately if, if this team is, you know, you can always get off bad contracts. There's always ways to to get off con- bad contracts. So even if you acquire Kevin Love and then you decide next season, like, whoa, this doesn't fit. This that didn't that didn't work. I don't know what we were thinking last season. Um, you can get away from it usually. Um, well, we'll see what happens with Kevin Love. Like I said, this is this would be a great destination, at least from just a fan perspective, and for him to go home and play on a team that seemingly has a chance and much better certainly than the Cavs would be pretty awesome. Uh, let's move on to tonight's games. As we said, we had four games and we had Washington in Charlotte against the Hornets. Uh, Washington loses by seven, 114 to 107. And I would have expected maybe more of a high scoring game. I know these two teams aren't spectacular, but when playing each other, you think they maybe they could go off a little bit more. And also you have some of the game's top three point shooters, Kyle. Yeah, uh, Davis Bertans from the Washington Wizards had a career-high eight three-pointers and a career-high 32 points to go with nine rebounds, one assist, one block. And people were just raving about Bertans on on Twitter tonight, and that's it's it's been fun to watch. I, I still wish that, given the fact that this Washington Wizards team is starting Isaac, or Isak Banga at, at small forward, I wish they'd just throw Davies Bertans in there. They, they play Bertans and Hachimura together enough that it's not at this point, you're just kind of looking around and going like, why do you, why do you keep bringing Bertans off the bench? Now, the interesting thing to me about Bertans is he's an expiring deal. He's going to uh, go into free agency next year. How much, you know, I mean, do the Wizards consider trading Bertans just to get a first round pick? Because there there must Why be a contending there must be a contending team out there that's like, holy crap, let's add this guy. I hate to say it, but I, I could see the Rockets. I'm not sure what exactly they could what you know what kind of pick situation they're in, but um that kind of shooter would be unbelievable on the Rockets. Well, shoot, I mean, even if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and the the Wizards have some kind of interest in a DJ Wilson or somebody. Yeah. Don't even don't even what don't, about well, what about Dante? Di, what about Dante DiVincenzo getting real about stuff? 
Um, I know. I, I'm sorry. I, I know. I, I know that you. It is endearing how much you love uh, DJ Wilson. <laughs> so if you want to yeah. stand for him, I should have. I should have let you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you be careful about uh, putting <laughs> his name in any trade talks that doesn't involve a superstar. <laughs> um, well, um, I guess Bertans is right. Yeah, he's a he's a shooting superstar right now, yeah. man. This season he's been unreal. Um, just letting it go for three. He really has been incredible off the bench for the Wizards. But I I don't see the Bucks being really. I don't see them being big buyers or uh, anything at the deadline. I think they're pretty set. They made all the moves really in the off season to deepen the rotation, and they're really solid at nearly every position and at starting and in backup and even sometimes and beyond that. And so I don't really see, and you got Corver there. I'm not really sure. I mean, a, a tall shooter like that. Yeah, that, of course. Who, I mean, who wouldn't want a player like Bertans and the way he shot this year, but I don't necessarily see the Bucks being the team that's going to offer the most in the situation that they're in. Who knows though? I, I could Giannis be wrong. Kicks it out to Bertans for the three. The Bucks it's money. just won the championship. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh yeah well i hope so, so. i yeah. hope so an amazing game from bertans and he's gonna get paid stacks on stacks this offseason because he's gonna continue to shoot like this Bertans shot tremendously well for the spurs he just was playing in a more uh not not necessarily um i, I don't want to say muted but it just wasn't as high volume of over overall as what Bertans has on the Wizards this season. With the Spurs, he was playing around guys like DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge a lot of the time. Uh, and, and now it's he's got Bradley Beal there, but there's nobody else who's going to look around and say, like, oh, Bertans shouldn't be getting just as many shots as he can take. So if, if Bertans is open and he does get open, and he even banged a, I mean, he, he can do stuff off the dribble too. Like, he's not. He's not completely inept in regards to uh, having a a a, a more versatile skill set. He's got he's got some tools there that don't even that don't even get pulled out of the uh, the bag a lot of times. So I guess anything. Uh, sorry, go ahead. He had two air balls tonight that that even looked pretty. I mean, it's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's unreal. It really they really did. I mean, he's uh, he's on another level right now, and it's a lot of fun to watch. It's it's the, really the one of the major highlights him that and Rui Hachimura right now and of course Beal able to just put up shots at will. That's kind of the the three most fun things right now going for the Wizards with Brian out. Yep, and with uh, with Brian out, Hachimura again got good minutes, thirty three, uh, put up eighteen points and twelve rebounds for a double double, two assists, one steal. 7 of 16 from the field, 4 of 6 from the free throw line. Mo Wagner, who's been starting at center with Brian out, just 26 minutes. Looks like he got into a little bit of foul trouble here. 9 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. So we haven't really seen Wagner shine uh, since he's gotten moved into the starting lineup. But I think if you saw what he was doing off the bench this year and how often he was getting into foul trouble despite putting up such uh, gaudy permanent numbers or counting stats, uh I think you kind of anticipated that there might be some struggles with Wagner getting into the starting lineup, going up against 
other starters and uh, better players and possibly getting into some foul trouble or having a little bit more limitations than the dominance he was displaying off the bench. Uh, did you see anything from the, the Hornet side of stuff? Like did PJ Washington or miles bridges look good to you? I saw one block from miles bridges in the game. That was just like, so, sometimes he, he gets up and makes blocks and you're like, man, they play him at small forward. And he just, he gets up there so quick in such a, um, an enforcing way that it's impressive to me how much, how good he can be at at times as a rim protector. Yeah, he was solid. And uh, Washington, I mean, he hit a few threes. What was he? Three for nine. Um, Graham was really the bigger story from downtown though. Yeah. Six of 11 from, from three point land for Devonte Graham, nine of 19 overall from the field, five of six from free throw land, 29.6 assists. Two steals, one block from Graham. Graham's been playing great. Uh, he had a bit of a dud relatively in his previous game, so it's nice to see a bounce back. Tara Rozier similarly had a little bit of a down game in the previous one, put up 17 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, one steal for a nice all-around line. Shot didn't really go in well for Rozier, just 5 of 14 overall and 1 of 7 from three-point land. But you forgive him that because Rozier's been a lot more efficient this season than what we thought he would be coming in. There's a timeshare going on at the center position for the Charlotte Hornets between Bayumbo and Cody Zeller, and they both had pretty good games in this one. So that timeshare is just going to likely persist. Um, Nick Batum was out of the rotation the previous game, back in the rotation here, although left late with a hand injury and did not return. Hard to know exactly what's going to happen with Nick Batum going forward. So that's about all I got for that game. And how about yourself there, pal? Yeah, Batum had a negative 18, the worst uh, for the Hornets in his short time in the court tonight. <clears throat> he needs to get traded or waived. I don't know. He, he just he either need, needs to go to a team that he actually wants to play on or if he doesn't want to play basketball anymore, then I don't know. You got to find some way to get rid of that $27 million player option that's on on, on his contract for next season. Uh, let's move on to game two of the night. We had uh, the Philadelphia 76ers beating the Denver Nuggets 97 to 92. We kind of talked last night about how these two teams are really in that second tier in the NBA after the Bucks, Lakers and Clippers really being the top three in the first tier. Yep. And you know, a pretty good game for the most part. Um, uh, Jamal Murray ended up leaving with an injury. Uh, he, he ended up, he got x-rays. It was a, a torso injury. It seems like he's going to be fine, but played just five minutes in this one was not able to return or, or the, uh, the nuggets held him out as, as a precaution. So expectations right now is that Murray's going to be fine going forward, but still technically probably questionable for at least the next game. Will Barton had a huge, huge night, 26 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, two steals, two blocks, um, 10 of 19 from the field, two of seven from three point land and four of five from the line for Will Barton. Barton's been struggling a bit of late. So this was nice to see him have a good game, but you, you and then we also saw Gary Harris have a good game in the backcourt, five assists, two steals, 14 points, but both these guys, Will Barton and Gary Harris stepping up and having more production when Jamal Murray is out of the lineup. So when Jamal Murray's healthy, a lot of this opportunity that these guys took advantage of in this game probably won't be there. Paul Millsap had a relatively good game after he had been struggling of late or 
maybe not even you could say Millsap struggling as much as maybe we're seeing Jeremy Grant off the bench steal some of those power forward minutes from Paul Millsap. There's just a lot of moving pieces on this Denver Nuggets team. I think in some respects they've they've gotten caught up in some of their worries while they're while they've been on a road trip or lost some recent games you're going to lose games on the road against other really good teams. So that's going to happen. At least it was a close game. Uh, we did see Michael Porter Jr. in the rotation in more meaningful minutes, 6.6 rebounds in 14 minutes off the bench. Let's talk about him for a moment. Am I crazy or did Coach Malone make a statement earlier today about how he's considering all possibilities, including putting Michael Porter Jr. Uh, getting regular run? Yeah, uh, he they – Coach Malone was asked this morning after shooting or on a Tuesday morning after during shoot around or after shoot around about Michael Porter being in the rotation or possibly getting more run as the team had been struggling a little bit or their their offense had been faltering. And Malone talked about how he thinks about it every day in regards to getting Michael Porter more minutes or getting him more consistent run in the rotation. And then we did see this on Tuesday night with the 14 minutes from Michael Porter Jr. But there's there are several options there at center or I mean at small forward and power forward for uh, Mike Malone and, and if if Michael Porter Jr. is going to get minutes it's going to be at small forward it's going to have to come at the expense a lot of times uh, to Will Barton to Tory Craig to uh, Malik Beasley potentially to Monte Morris and Jamal Murray was out of this game too early played just five minutes. So maybe maybe even some of those 14 minutes that we saw from Michael Porter Jr. wouldn't have been there if right. Kamal Murray hadn't gone down. So right. I don't know that I want to put too much weight into all this, but I'll just once again make my argument from the, the context of Michael Porter Jr. after sitting out his whole rookie season or his whole first season, this is his rookie season, he should be playing in the rotation every single night for these Nuggets. You know, Will Barton's a role player. Uh uh, Tory Craig's a role player ultimately. Like you, you yes, and by exactly. Will Barton being a role player, I mean like his his ceiling is a six man. Um, Malik Beasley is a role player. Monte, uh, really, yeah. You know, so many of these guys that the the the, the Nuggets demand be in the rotation most nights are guys who should be in a rotation for an NBA team. But when you have championship aspirations and you drafted a guy in the lottery who was at one point considered possibly being the number one overall pick in his draft class. And then you already have him miss a season. The fact that you're not getting him regular rotation minutes to see both how he plays in the NBA and then also how he plays with guys. Because right now, even if you start getting Michael Porter jr in the rotation to play regular minutes, guess what? Jamal Murray just got injured. So it's not even just about playing Michael Porter Jr. when he's healthy, but it's also recognizing that your team is healthy. You need to see how he's going to play as a cutter next to Nikola Jokic, a great passer, next to Jamal Murray. You you just you need to be seeing these things, and the fact that the Nuggets aren't taking advantage of having a, a, a more long-term outlook with Michael Porter Jr. in regards to how important he will be, maybe not today, but how important he'll be in six months or – even more, most importantly, in 18 months when they get back to the playoffs and hopefully get deep enough to be able to look at things and say, okay, now how do we build our team? Is Michael Porter Jr. one of our top three guys or is he out of the equation? Well, there you go. I think that wraps it up for our coverage of Sixers and Nuggets. We're going to move on. Hold on to a second. You can't. We got to. We 
we we only really covered one team. We got to cover both teams. Who's who else played in this game? The Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got so what do we got going I, I guess, on over I guess, there? I guess they won too. I get that I get on my rambling stuff and I want to get my <laughs> takes off, but you can't just skip stuff. <laughs> okay? And you know, you can you got to talk was about an oversight. Josh was an Richardson. Yeah. I was back in action after missing those previous six games with a hamstring issue. Played only 19 minutes. He was on restriction. Uh one of eight from the field, so didn't play well, but this is Richardson's starting job to keep. He'll be in the starting lineup all year. Matisse Thibel got big run off the bench with Richardson still limited. 26 minutes for Thibel, put up 13 points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal. Not the gaudy defensive stats that we're usually seeing from Thibel most nights, but he was good on offense, three of four from three-point land, five of eight from the field. So nice to see that there. Furkan Korkmaz back on the bench with Richardson returning. Probably yeah, not too much else to to look at from this game. Um, uh, but it's good to see the uh the Sixers pull out the win over a good team. Sorry, for Anthony. Love, now we can go on to the other games. Yeah, for the love of Kirk and Forkmaz, can we move on to the Hawks and Heat? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh this was a really fun game. Close throughout, but the Hawks really had the lead uh for most of the game, I would say, and and most of the fourth quarter until the Heat were able to rally a little bit and tie the game. This was just back and forth. I will say at the end of the fourth quarter, um, DeAndre Hunter, the pick out of Virginia, was just incredible on offense. I know he's known as a defensive guy who can do some things on offense, but he absolutely took over, hitting threes, uh, driving, dunks. I mean, he was something special tonight. And uh, sadly for the Hawks, though, Jimmy Butler just turned it on at the end of the game. I mean, he had a great game throughout, but really getting all his, his assists and, and facilitating in the first three quarters. Once you hit to the fourth quarter in overtime, he became the killer that we know he is. And he got uh, exactly what he needed and did what he needed to do to really take out the Hawks and put his uh, really foot on their throat. Speaking of which, there was a point with, I think, a minute left in the game, Trey Young actually said, it's over. The Hawks were up at si- by six points. And, uh, and Duncan Butler, Robinson happened. Duncan Robinson happened, and Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler actually yep. re- replied to something, too, that, about about that on Instagram or Twitter. I'm not sure, but <laughs> he uh, he said, you know what? Trey Young was right. It was over. <laughs> Well, DeAndre Hunter came off the bench in the last game, so he was back starting here at Small Ford, and as you already talked about, he had a good game, some really big lines in this Heat at Hawks game. For Hunter, he had 28 points, four rebounds, three assists, one block, was 11 of 17 from the field, five of 10 from three-point land, so really got the job done there. Only one of four from the line, but that just is what it is. Uh, a bad, bad night there. Trey Young didn't have a great game, played a ton of minutes, obviously. Uh, but we did see Kevin Huerter have a, a nice game. He was on a minutes restriction of 25 minutes, was, was in the starting lineup with DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Cam Reddish moved back to a bench roll, nine points, seven assists for Kevin Huerter. And we're seeing him really serve as the, the primary backup point guard Evan Turner hasn't even been in the rotation the last two games as where's really taken on those secondary playmaking uh, roles for the Atlanta Hawks so that's been fun to watch 
two different triple doubles for the Heat in this game. Uh, Bam Adebayo with 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists for the first triple double of his career. And then for Jimmy Butler, his third triple double of this season with 20 points, 18 rebounds, and <clears throat> 10 assists. Great lines, right? Even oh, more crazy was, stuff. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like just the way this game ended too, and the back and forths and uh, going to overtime, it was just one of the most fun things to watch and seeing the numbers pile up. Uh, this was also cool for to see Vince Carter in his 1500th game, got a huge wow. ovation, not just when he checked into the game, but also when he checked out, of course he was a little bit more disappointed when he checked out and the Hawks had, basically already lost the game in overtime because they didn't score in overtime until there was a minute. There was 73 seconds left when the Hawks got their first bucket of overtime. Yeah. And let's just restate the, 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 uh, the score total here. It's overtime. There's only one overtime, right? 135 to 121. So the heat 18 to four in overtime. That's crazy. It's, um, it's just fun to see how many points can get scored in that short five minute period, especially when both teams are supposed to be turned up to 11 on defense. Um, some other great lines from that Miami heat game. If you're, if you, if you got any breath left uh, after the two triple doubles, Kendrick Nunn, 36 points, a career high for him, six rebounds, four assists, one steal. Now Goran Dragic, justice Winslow were out of this game. So, that's definitely been opening up more opportunity. We saw Tyler Harrow have 27 points in the previous game. And then in this game had just zero points. So this is a deep heat team with a lot of shooters on it. And on this night in particular, the best shooter for the heat was second year player Duncan Robinson out of the university of Michigan hit a career high 10, three pointers, his previous career high nine happened earlier this season. So this guy's already had some just Hugely dominant performances from beyond the arc this season. Career high 34 points for Duncan Robinson, three rebounds, four assists, one block, 12 of 16 overall from the field, 10 of 14 from three point land. Hit that three pointer when the when you were what you were talking about there at the end of the game when the Hawks were up six and Trey Young was saying game over. Duncan Robinson hits the three. Jimmy Butler hits the three, tied up, going overtime. And then Jimmy Butler even got a really good look open. He 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 was getting guarded by DeAndre Bembry, dribbled into the, the, the mid-range right out by the free throw line. Bembry kind of flew off of Butler, and it, you couldn't really tell whether Butler pushed off or whether Bembry was trying to get some kind of charge call foul, which would have been just stupid. But It was the Michael Jordan against Byron Russell. Yeah, but it did it did it feel like Bembry actually got pushed off? Uh slightly. No, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. I didn't think it was I, I felt like was... he I felt like Bembry went further away than he needed to be, but it yeah. almost psychologically might have psyched out Butler because he was huh. so open at the end of the game that yeah. he ended up he ended up uh missing a shot just by you know a little bit and it's almost just seeing it I was like I was like I wonder if Butler would have been if if Bembry would have been in position and had his feet coming towards Butler on a closeout if Butler would have been more locked in on or even just thinking less about his shot because he wouldn't have been so open so anyways uh, high high speculation on that situation but just tons of fun lines from this game. I mean, just out of this world stuff. Bam Adebayo is playing like an all-star. And if the Miami Heat have a top three record, he might be one this year. So that's fun as heck to think about. 
It really is. So uh, for me, on the Hawks side of things, I know they lose by 14 in overtime. It's tough, but this they're going to learn so much from this game, and it really was cool to see them try and hold off a, a team that is so hot and playing as incredible as the Heat have been so far this year, and also at home where the Heat have yet to lose this season. And once again, this is why the Hawks are one of my, if not my, league pass team because of the lines that not just they can put up with the style that they run, but what other teams do against them. And uh, for the Heat side of things, of course, we talked about all the, the fun lines, and sadly Hero had a rough game, but Bam Adebayo, he's... The way he looks so comfortable with the ball, even on on uh, on the perimeter at times, like he had a couple really nice drives, uh, a fake behind the back pass that really sold uh, sealed the deal in overtime. It was he had a, he's something special, man. He and Carl uh, Anthony Towns are the two centers that really look improved to me in terms of ball skills on the outside. Yeah, Bam dribbled into the paint uh, right in front of the hoop, and there was a guy out on the out in the corner for three point, and it looked like he was going to like, like palm the ball and just kind of throw it behind his back towards him, as you said. But he faked it, and it was a mild fake. But then he just kind of it was enough to turn his defender's head, and then he could just make that easy little layup there. I was going to bring that play up if you hadn't, so I was I was smiling when you when you mentioned it. Um, the other thing about the Hawks in the overtime is they didn't have Kevin Werder because he was, his minutes restriction was over. He played 26 minutes, went a minute over it and they didn't let him play in, in overtime. So, you know, Werder was playing well and that might've been at least, it might've helped give some extra fight in overtime for the Hawks, but it, they pulled, they pulled Trey young at the end of the game because they got down so much in overtime. There's it's how often do you see that happen? Usually in overtime, the team plays their, Whatever. It was, it I don't, was, think, it was a bad he, I don't think the team had scored until after he got pulled. I could be wrong about that, but. Oh, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I think they had yet to score. Because when I saw at the end of the game <clears throat> that Atlanta had scored four points in overtime, I was like, really? I didn't. I was like, I was like that seems like a lot. Um, yeah, unreal. Yeah. Uh, well, the final game of the night was uh, the Blazers at home beating the Knicks 115 to 87. What happened in Portland, Kyle? Uh, the, the Knicks got worked. Did you get that? Yes, you did roll the reversal. Um, the Portland trailblazers, one fifteen. the New York Knicks, 87, just a beat down. Uh, I don't know what to say about this really, because it's, it's coach Mike Miller's second game with the Knicks. They talked about implementing more, sets to get more three-point shots and the Knicks took a lot of three-point shots 38 but they only hit 18 percent of them seven of 38 from three-point land they were just 16 of 26 from the line I mean it's 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 tough it's tough what's gonna what's gonna work for this Knicks team going forward they they still throughout the same starting lineup again with Taj Gibson so, I okay, mean, what's changing here for them? That, that's what I want to ask you about. By not doing that, is Coach Mike Miller basically saying, like, you don't undo something that the coach who just got fired would do for a few games, like, just to out of respect? Or what? I'm not sure what the deal is. And I guess my other question is, how many games before something happens with this front court? I have no like, idea. I mean, I, I, mean, I, don't, a- I, don't know, I don't know how long until something changes. I, I do think that you bring up a possibility that Mike Miller doesn't want to throw shade at Fisdale by 
making changes, but Fisdale was talking about making changes on the day that he was fired at practice. So that's a situation where you're just kind of sitting there going like, whatever. I think, I think most of it has to do with the, I don't, I don't believe the team's had an opportunity to have a full practice yet. And a lot of coaches, when they take over in the middle of the season, that's why you don't ever see established coaches take over a team in the middle of the season. That's why you see interim coaches take over because it's a, you're a, you're a, you know, a dead duck or you're just, you're not likely to have success. Um, and with Mike Miller taking over this job, it might be a situation too, where the front office said to him, uh, who knows, man, it could have been an edict from Dolan where he said, you're going to start the same starting lineup that Fisdale's going to, that's he's been starting for the next 10 games. And you're going to show me that this team's better than what he's made it. If he's really okay. a problem. And if he wasn't the problem, then we're going to fix things that are the problem, which is you pal. And <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, this might no, be a I way do, for Dolan to have a, uh, a litmus test of sorts. Sure. All right. I, th- I think that's fair. Um, yeah, the Knicks are just brutal, man. Uh, they're just destined for a top five pick. I'm, I'm not sure there's any other way out the, of it. The Blazers are not a good defensive team, right? No, dude. Okay. Like, I get in, in, not even in like, yeah, they're yeah, so uh, white side gets blocks, but they're not a good defensive team. Right. Right. So, you can. Like, there's so many different ways you could go at this Blazers team and isolate, like, three players of the five who are out there and usually have a good matchup. I do. It's it's good to see, I guess, that Julius Randle did lead the team in shots in, in, in pairing with, with Marcus Morris. Um, but there's not much to see from... from from the Knicks side of things where you're drawing any conclusions about what's going to happen going forward. I think it's still kind of a, a wait and see thing with coach Mike Miller. And you know, the, the, the front office never talked to, to the media after Fisdale got fired. So we don't even have a perspective of what the team's motivations are the rest of this season from the front office perspective. We were told that over the summer or going into this season that the team was expecting to be, uh, competitive to challenge for a potential playoff spot to put their younger guys on the back burner to say that you got to earn your minutes because we've got real vets in here now. Well, that's not the reality with this team. They are, they're one in 10 on the road. They're four and 20 overall. They are not going to be a playoff team this season unless the unless this front office that has been completely inept suddenly woke up and was like, I know everything I need to do to change, to make my team competitive this year. That's no, not happening. Until, no, until Dolan is fired. I don't, the Knicks <laughs> will never be. Well, I mean, can't ousted. fire the, the right. Yeah. 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 What, what, so the NBA can, could step in. Is that the only, our only option here? Like, uh, I mean, dude, you need a disgruntled lover to release a, you know, some kind some of untoward evidence. Yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, you know, there's some people think that Dolan might be willing to sell the Knicks as long as he can still keep uh, Madison Square Garden because he likes to use Madison Square Garden's uh, notoriety as a place to play or a venue to play music that he uses it to get his own band to be an opener for like these epic historic bands. Um 
which is just hilarious if that's true. I saw somebody put that on Twitter last week, and it it sounds stupid, but this is also the same owner who has like no self-awareness when it comes to when he goes on radio or the fact that a fan yelled at him to sell the team. And then he gave a lifetime ban to the fan. Like sure. Charles Oakley got removed. I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. This guy's a, this guy's a, a deplorable human being, a a detestable human being. That's the word I want to use. Uh, Well, that wraps up the four games. I guess we want to talk, uh, we want to talk a little bit more about the blazers um, you know, I, I, I guess there's, I mean, I don't know how much there is really to say da- Damian Lillard had a really good game, eight of 12 from three point land. So if we're going to give props to Davis Bertans and talk about how amazing he is, right. you know, Damian Lillard does it. And we're just like, Oh, you it's know, it was okay. Yeah, right. no, yeah. not bad. It wasn't the same line. Was it eight of 12? I think it was. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, amazing work there for, for Lillard. Carmel Anthony had a pretty nice game, 16 points, four rebounds, two steals. Uh, not necessarily efficient shooting the ball from the field, five for 13, but was great from uh, three point land, three or four. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, Bazemore started at small forward again, played 22 minutes, but coach Terry Stotts also said that the small forward position is uh, malleable from game to game. So there's the potential that we see maybe Hazonia, Nasir Little uh, get run there. Maybe we see Anthony Simons, who had a nice game off the bench, 16 points, five rebounds, three assists, four of seven from three-point land. Maybe we see some of those three-guard lineups with Simons. I would love to see that. Simons, Lillard, and McCollum, that would be a lot of fun. Um, But, yeah, that's about it. I don't really think that there's much else to say there on that game uh should we talk about what we have coming up on wednesday night yes sir so we've got 11 games on wednesday (coughs) i am sorry and uh the the first game of the night is los angeles lakers at the orlando magic Uh, anthony davis and kyle kuzma are listed as probable Rajon Rondo is listed as questionable with a hamstring issue and then avery bradley will be making his return after uh, being out for the last few weeks or, or so. Um, yeah, I, I guess just, Lakers at Orlando. What do you see? I see uh, some problems coming for the Magic. <laughs> A yeah. lot of problems. It's. I think any. The thing is, what, what keeps me interested about every single Magic game is I can say I get to see Jonathan Isaac matched up against. Yes. And, this. Yeah. Insert superstar here. Yep. So you, you were so excited about the magic one time last week. Uh, you were so excited. You dropped a swear word and we had to end the show <laughs> abruptly. <laughs> like you swore and we were like, all right, good night. <laughs> no, it, it, we try to keep it uh, clean here just because, you know, I look, I'm a human being. I cuss all the time in my, Sure. in my personal life when I'm the magic in, the in magic an appropriate situation. But like yeah. I used to work in education, like there's certain times you don't cuss around certain people. And I don't know where people are going to be listening to this. Do you want to be listening to this around your, you know, riding in a car with your kids? I'll throw out a melon farming instead of something else, you know, right. and, and, and Oh biscuits or what have you. Yeah. You melon farming scallywag. Yeah. Um, exactly. 
Uh, but the Magic are an, an, a young, exciting team. I think they got three pieces that, to me, are are worth turning it, tuning in for. Markel Fultz, you know, I love to see how his shooting goes. Uh, Aaron Gordon is still a, a young, exciting player um, and has still plenty of potential. And uh, like you said, Jonathan Isaac, right now, maybe defensive player of the year. Wow. Um, he... I think it's fun that he'll probably be on a he'll definitely be on an all defensive team. I think we can say that. There you go. Okay. Yep. Maybe that's maybe that's not uh jump in the moon, jump in the shark. You d- jump in the moon. I like it. Uh that's jump things that to be yeah. to be fair, that's like the highest thing that we can reference. It's that's like, right, yeah. yeah. If you're gonna get over something, whew. um Los Angeles the next game, another Los Angeles game. Well, that's both both Los Angeles teams are playing on the uh, the uh, East Coast right now. That's kind of fun. The Clippers at the Toronto Raptors. This is Kawhi Leonard's back to the, the first time back to the Raptors. He's going to be picking up his championship ring. So you know that Kawhi is playing in this one and should be getting tons of run. Uh, should be a fun time to see him matched up with Pascal Siakam. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. Injury-wise, we've got Fred Van Vliet, questionable for this game with a knee contusion after he played just 12 minutes in the previous one. Jamichael Green is doubtful with the tailbone issue. Landry Shamit and Rodney Magruder remain out for the Los Angeles Clippers. I don't know, how about you? Anything exciting about this game for you? Uh, yeah, this is going to be my game to watch really outside of uh, watching for my favorite Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I, I actually picked the Raptors to win this game, and I've got 100 virtual currency riding on it in NBA 2K20. So this is big. This is a big one for me. Wow. Um, I didn't know. Oof. Good luck, brother. Yeah. Uh, high stakes. Houston <laughs> at Cleveland. Austin Rivers remains out. Tyson Chandler remains out. Eric Gordon, Nene Hilario, all also out for the Rockets. Uh, Dylan Windler will be out for Cleveland. The, the Cavaliers have been getting just trounced lately. Houston is projected to win by 11 in this one, and I would be surprised if it's not much more than that. I think it's going to be much more than that. I think James Harden gets 50, if not 60. Uh, 62 is career high. He could he could get that in three quarters, maybe. <laughs> That's the problem, is that James James Harden's probably only going to play three quarters. Probably see a nice game out of Ben McLemore again here. He's been playing really well of late, even off the bench for those Rockets, especially with Austin Rivers being out. That's a little bit more responsibility for Ben McLemore there. Uh, Boston at Indiana, a nice Eastern Conference game. Might be the Eastern Conference Finals if anything bad happens to the Bucks, but we shouldn't be putting that bad That's mojo right. out there. Yeah. Uh, just to cut in for a moment, we have a couple people who are chiming in with some fantasy questions. We're going to get to those in, in uh, just a moment. Cool, cool. Hey, uh, let's let's just do them now. Okay, so uh, David NG8 said, I traded Jokic for Embiid. Any thoughts? No, I think that's fair. You, you're going to get – look, yo, it, in some respects, it depends on what what kind of league you're playing in. If it's a head-to-head league, I think that there's there's an argument for both. If it's a rotisserie league, again, it, it's, it's a fair trade. It's fine. Both players have more upside than what they've shown so far this season. So there's a bit of buy low on, on both sides of that that deal for both managers. Um, and I'm, I'm counting on 
both Embiid and Jokic to be better as we move forward this season. The last couple games with Embiid and his minutes being a little bit tamped down are not a great sign for me, but I also don't want to overreact to it. Jokic, I think we've already seen him um, improving his play of late in regards to his efficiency, in regards to just taking more shots. And after the game on Tuesday, Mike Malone did come out and say that the team needs to get more shots to Nikola Jokic. So that sounds like a good thing for him going forward if the team is going to actively start building the offense more around Nikola Jokic. Now, that also, though, might have been a contextual quote from Michael Malone saying, hey, when we've got Jamal Murray out, y'all might want to get the ball to to our other best ball handler right now. So um, I guess you take everything with a grain of salt. Lots to think about, but I that's a that's a big center trade. I mean, it doesn't get much oh, yeah. bigger than Jokic for Embiid. I, that's that's fun. I mean, yeah. Look, you're trading uh, probably better percentages for for uh, Jokic this year for better defensive stats uh, in regards to blocks and and probably a higher potential on rebounds for Embiid. So, so that's if what you're I'm set on assists, if you're set on assists, this is a this is a solid move, really, to get Embiid. Oh yeah, totally, and. And you know, like for head to head, you you do worry a little bit about later in the season with the playoffs with Embiid, whether or not he maybe gets rested on some back to backs. But we've already seen at certain times this season, it's not every back to back that Embiid's going to get rested for. And the one that he got rested for this past uh, weekend, there was supposedly a, a real hip issue that that held him out of that game. Plus, it was against Cavaliers. So that's another situation where you sit there and you go like, oh, they they really didn't need the guy to play that game. All right. We appreciate uh, David NG8 for his question. And uh, next up is John Elvis 82. And hey, Kyle, question. Better long-term fantasy value, Jeff Teague or Jetty Oseman? The great and terrible Osman. Um, oh, Biscuits. Uh, this is tough. Look, Jeff Teague's got more reliable production right now. He's somebody that you can stream in for assists. Uh, I do. We've seen little flashes of Osman, whether it's been last season for a decent little stretches, especially towards the end of last season. And then in pockets this season, when guys like Kevin Love have been out where Osman's gone, gone with a game and, and had a great one or, but he has so many duds that it's, it's hard to get super excited about Osman's potential until he, because he lacks that consistency that all the great players have. And, and I still think that there's the potential for Osman to get there. I just don't know when that might actualize. So for the, the short term, I think Jeff Teague's better for right now. If you're talking dynasty, definitely Chetty Osman for me. If you're talking about just in redraft leagues, your one-year leagues, long-term later this season, that's a that's a super tough call. It's it's almost it's it's pretty much just a coin flip because what if Jeff T gets traded to another team that wants him to play more as the starting point guard for them, whereas right now he's playing in that backup role for the Timberwolves most nights, and there's going to be a lot of times where he does get put on the second or third burner 
uh, with with Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns getting a lot of the ball handling duties, and then also having Jarrett Culver in there to be able to can do a lot of that stuff. Part of the reasons why Jeff Teague had a a, a better game in the previous one was because Jarrett Culver was limited by foul trouble as well. So. It's. It, I don't think either guy has huge ceilings this season. But then again, what if the Cavs make some trades and then it opens up more ball handling duties for Osman and more of a just consistent role with him being in that ball handling uh, situation with Love out of the out of the perspective. There is the potential still. As much as people want to deride Chad, the great and terrible Osman for the fact that he's great one night and terrible the next night or terrible the next night, the next night, the next night, and then great, there still does remain that potential for him to be a useful player in the NBA and a consistently useful player in fantasy. It's just been, uh, he's definitely not someone to, that you must roster in standard leagues. He's, he's a guy that you stream in. If you are in a good spot in your standings, you can use him as a luxury stash flyer type guy to keep on your team to say like i still think he has more upside than all these other guys that are on the wire and i'm not necessarily worried about short-term value with streamers i want to have somebody on my team who has a higher ceiling later in the season and seeing how many minutes this guy gets every single night you you uh you do see the potential for good production going down the line for osmond one little thorn in his side might be when dylan windler returns he's a guy that can play at small forward and might start to chip away at Osmond's minutes. We've been hearing John Beeline talk about Dylan Windler since the preseason. We still haven't seen the guy play. He's been playing in the G League a little bit as he rehabs. All right, thanks, John Elvis82 for the great question. Uh, next up is Otis D. Great show, guys. I, I sold Lillard for Beal plus Westbrook. Good value? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Lillard for Beal and Westbrook, both? I'm Yeah, that sounds like... That sounds that's pretty great. Getting, uh, yeah, I, I, because I, I feel like Beal's close enough to Lillard, and then Westbrook's the throw-in. I hope that it's a a head-to-head league, uh, just in case Westbrook's percentages fall off. But Westbrook's percentages have been pretty good lately, so maybe that's not going to be as much of a, of a concern this year as like the Westbrook's field goal or free throw percentage has been in the last couple of years. So rotisserie leagues, I'd be worried about Westbrook. Uh, long-term this season, but overall, it just sounds like a tremendous trade. Good work, brother. Thank you, Otis D, and we appreciate the feedback. And uh, once again, if you guys want to give us more feedback, help us out, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, uh, anything you guys can do, comment with your feedback. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys all for tuning in, whether it be Twitter, whether it be YouTube. Um, we're, you know, we're live in those formats. We got uh, our podcast comes out uh, five days a week. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. I mean, we're all over the place. So uh, we appreciate any feedback. Yeah, absolutely. You made that sound like we were done. We're almost done. We're not. Oh, we're no, done. no. We got, I got uh, some more comments we want to get to. Cool. Uh, Raymond Mogwai, uh, sirs, is Looney worth stashing? It, uh, stashing? It's <laughs> stash. Not unless you're in a very deep league. Uh, yeah, it's a 16 team and head to head and each cat league. So what does that mean? Nine, nine cat? I, it, I I don't know if I'd be worried about stashing Looney right now, even in a 16-teamer. But again, it depends on who's on the bench or who's on you know who's on the the uh, the wire in your league. If if they have the similar long-term potential to 
Kevon Looney, or if you just need to stream in somebody to win a category this week, I don't know that I'd be too worried about Kevon Looney's long-term potential right now, especially since since he has returned, we've seen him restricted. They're, They're not worried about getting him big minutes right away. They're taking it slow with him in his rehab coming back and now in just being back in the rotation. He's coming off the bench most nights. He's playing very limited role. We don't know when he's going to get healthy. And 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 unfortunately, this might be a chronic condition that sticks with him for a lot of the season. And that might be why we're seeing the Warriors uh, limit him so much right now. So I don't it depends who's available on your wire, but in most circumstances, I'd probably be just getting rid of Looney unless it's super deep league where you have just, you know, anybody who's a live body and, and is getting rotation minutes is, is going to be on somebody's roster. If that's not the situation, I don't know that I'd be super worried about holding Looney for any long-term potential that might be there. Uh, but of course he is someone to keep tabs on if you do drop him because maybe the perception that we've been given over the last couple of weeks can, can drastically change in the next week or two. It's not like there's a ton of talent in front of Looney if he can get healthy. No, I'm with you there. I think not only is it a big, I mean, he's going to be the guy at center. He's been the one guy who's been through all these teams and been the prospect that they've really held on to. So I think that when he is healthy, that he's going to have some solid production, but um, I understand not wanting to keep him at the moment. Yeah, it's just it's we don't know when he's going to get healthy enough to be able to command that role. Right. Um, shout out again to Bucket Ninja and Otis D. Uh, Bucket Ninja is a, a regular, and we uh, appreciate his input. Uh, going to Seniorine or Seniorin, I'm not sh- exactly sure how to say it, but uh, it's. Do you see Fultz being better this year? Yeah, I think what we've seen from Fultz already has kind of shown us that. You know, I. If anything, I look at his somewhat tamp- tampered or tempered production so far this season as an even better sign of his potential to become a star going forward because he's done what the teams asked him to do, played well within those boxes, excelled enough to advance to the next rung on their progression or their system as they, they get him more and more integrated into what they're they're going to be. And this is a team that and, and the Magic who they finally got to the playoffs last year. They really want to make it back there this year, but they're also doing a great job of trying to integrate Markel Fultz, knowing that, hey, we may have made the playoffs with DJ Augustine, but like we're only getting so far unless we can find out or turn Markel Fultz into the all-star level player that he was believed to be coming into the league. And, and I think we're seeing Markel show enough flashes through what we've already, already watched this season to say there's, there's definitely all-star potential in his future, whether or not that actualizes still left to be seen, but it, it appears he's healthy and he's playing more efficiently than I think anybody would have guessed. Uh, up to this point this season and, and getting more minutes than I think a lot of people would have guessed five or six weeks into the season. Yeah. And he's one of the players that I pretty much track on a nightly basis when the magic are playing, I like to see his shooting box scores. And I think he is showing that he can still be 
he can he still shows flashes of reasons why he was the number one overall pick, and I think he still has plenty of potential. Like Kyle said, he can still be an all star. Yeah, and he's you know he's not the um, most verbose guy. So when he gets interviewed, he doesn't explain away the day. I think in some respects he's he's kind of got that uh, introvertedness similar to the way Kawhi Leonard does. I don't want to put that as a, a negative uh, contextualization as much as just to acknowledge that like I was going to say Tim Duncan. Yeah. So yeah. Th- and there's a, a, you know, a really positive side of, of the idea of being quiet. Um, I, I just, I think that there were so many negative narratives around Markel Fultz that based on what we've seen so far this year, it's, it's hard not to be very optimistic right now uh well once again we appreciate all you guys uh putting in your questions and asking us about fantasy situations uh we want to make this as interactive as possible and really that's how you do it is drop a comment into the show as we said like and subscribe and any feedback is helpful so thank you guys so much kyle you want to get back to some previews for wednesday night yeah let's uh let's hammer them out we were talking about the boston at indiana game injury wise marcus smart is questionable with an eye infection robert williams is out romeo langford remains out and then on the indiana side victor oladipo remains out and jakar sampson is questionable this should be a really good game um it'll be fun to see if boston's more versatile wings are going to win out or if Indiana's more dominant front court is going to win out with Demonis Sabonis being such a big part of Indiana's success already this season. <clears throat> you got any thoughts on that or just uh, not, not as exciting for you? Uh, after what Sabonis did the other night with 22 rebounds, I'm, I'm ready to see what he can do tomorrow. Cool. Uh, Charlotte at Brooklyn's uh, second night of a back-to-back for the Hornets playing at Brooklyn. Marvin Williams is questionable for this one. Nicholas Batum is questionable on the Nets side of things. Amon Shumpert is doubtful. And then we got Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert still out. Nicholas Claxton is unavailable with a left left hamstring soreness. And Wilson Chandler has two more games on his suspension. And we got word from Coach Kenny Atkinson that when Wilson Chandler is cleared to play from his suspension, he will be right back into the rotation or right into the rotation since this will be his uh, debut with the Nets uh, coming up in a few games. Should be a good game. Not great teams. Uh, Brooklyn is projected to win by 9.5. That's probably got to do with the fact that Charlotte's playing on the road on the second night of a back-to-back. Right. But that seems a little bit high, though. Nine seems a little it? bit high for. I would I would take the under on that one. That, yeah, for the shooting that the Hornets have. I mean, you just never know. Yeah, I'd, I'd take the under on that. Well, well that might be a topic tomorrow. Well, and then the fact that the the Nets have so many guys that are out. Like, I I think even even though the Nets have played well lately and Spencer Dinwiddie's been fantastic, you still can't expect necessarily great consistency from them or anyways um atlanta at chicago so atlanta playing on the second night of a back-to-back here um 
Dude, this is going to be great. Kobe, Kobe White and Trey Young in the same game. This could be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then you know, Zach Levine's still an exciting scorer, not not playing against a great defense. That's going to be nice there. Chicago is projecting to win by five for this game. Uh, <laughs> the Bulls put, like, everybody probable on their team. Daniel Gafford, Denzel Valentine, Ryan Archidiacono, Kobe White, Zach Levine, and Wendell Carter are all listed as probable. Cristiano Felicio, who's been out with a wrist issue uh, or injury, is listed as doubtful. Chandler Hutchinson remains out. Um, Yeah, this should just be a high-scoring, low-defense game. I'm really looking forward to it. Wish that John Collins was available so we could see some Wendell Carter, John Collins matchups, but uh, it is what it is. Lowry Markinen, another chance for him to have a good game as he continues to kind of get himself ironed out after a rough start to the season. Next game, Utah at Minnesota. We've already seen these guys play a couple times this this year and uh, some exciting games. Mike Conley is out for the Utah Jazz and then for Minnesota. Jake Lehman remains out still with his foot issue and Jeff Teague is questionable with an ankle problem. So uh, just a Utah projected to win by one on the road at Minnesota here, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. As you said, we've, these teams have been fun to watch uh, the last two times they've played. We've seen each team win and in the other teams building in, I think a three day span just a few weeks ago. So um, also Carl uh, Anthony Towns had a career night from three in one of those games, the game in Utah, just an unbelievable game for, for three. I think he was nine of 15 or nine of 16, something, something wild. Um, also in that game, I think it'll be fun because without, without Conley, I mean, you already have Wiggins starting at point guard on the other end you're going to not see necessarily traditional point guards tomorrow. So that is uh, always fun to watch too, I think. Yeah, that's really cool, actually. Like neither team will have a traditional point guard in there. You're going to have Wiggins and Jarrett Culver kind of playing that duo point guard role for the for the Timberwolves in the backcourt. And then Carl Anthony Towns getting a lot of assists from the front court. And then on that Utah side, we'll have Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles being the two primary yeah. playmakers there, but you'll still get a couple assists from a guy like Boyan Bogdanovich as well. So, yeah, really, really fun to see just kind of the playmaking spread out in a true, well, not maybe a, a complete uh, positionless basketball game because you got Rudy Gobert out there, but darn, darn close, uh, darn, darn near as close as we're going to get. Uh, yeah. Uh, final note, uh, Jared Culver's younger brother scored 100 points in a high school game this evening. Are you serious? Yeah. Is that the, like, the first time since Cheryl Miller did it? Or I, uh, no. No. It's been done by other players since, okay. even I think other females. But I think he hit, he had 12 threes. I think he had 36 points off threes. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about a name, a uh, uh, nickname for Jarrett Culver, uh, Butterburger? Ooh, I like it. That's uh, that's that's a that's a thick Midwest <laughs> nickname that not many people are gonna get. But you know what? They have them. In, they have uh, Culvers in Utah too. So is there is there another Culvers related name that would fit better for for Jarrett? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, our buddy Billy would be the guy to ask. Okay. Wow. He is the Culver's uh, aficionado. 
in, he was in, in our chief, group of friends. Okay. He was the chief of custard, and that was a Oh, you're right. He worked there for 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 a grip. Oh, chief of custard. Okay. Uh is it was that an official title? I believe it was on his it was official and on a name tag. If you're driving if you're driving through uh Wisconsin uh, and you see a Culver's, they're renowned for their butter burgers. Um it's like a high end McDonald's. So it's one of the best, yeah. In terms of fast food, it doesn't get like better quality than Culver's. If, it's, it's yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, like even if you would be like someone who's like, I don't, I don't eat Burger King, I don't eat McDonald's, which I usually don't. I'd, I'd, still, I'd still go get, I'd still go get some. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's um, on another level. A tear up. It's a tear up. All right, it's making uh, me tear up. Few few more games here to, to run through really quick for for Wednesday's big eleven game slate. Memphis at Phoenix Suns. This should be a fun one. Phoenix projected to win by seven here. Uh, John Morant being back last game for Memphis, so he'll be in action here. Kyle Anderson's probable. Brandon Clark, who was also week to week with John Morant, is now himself projected to be back in action, listed as probable. For the Grizzlies, Grayson Allen will be out with an ankle issue. On the Phoenix Suns side of things, Aaron Baines is probable with his left calf strain. Michael Bridges is probable uh, with a left finger issue. And then Cameron Johnson is also probable with hip soreness. We've got another three games of DeAndre Ayton being out for suspension, and then he'll be back and right back into the starting lineup, but might kind of be eased back into his full load of minutes. Uh, Memphis at, at Phoenix. Should be a good game. So that's uh I know I know that Phoenix is the better team this year, but but Memphis is pretty good when John Moran's playing. And yeah, this is they're figuring things out. Yeah, this will be a good point guard matchup, I think. Uh New Orleans at Milwaukee. Derek Favors is listed as questionable, but he's been back with the team for a couple days now. Went through practice on Tuesday, and Coach Gentry said the plan is for him to be back, or at least that's the way things are looking right now. Dragon Bender is out for the Milwaukee Bucks with an ankle sprain. Do uh, I guess are are you are you are you afraid of the Pelicans? I do not fear the Pelicans. They're yeah, it's. It, I don't think this is going to be a close game. But I was made. I, I was really hoping Zion would be back for this game. Yeah, are you going? No, not going to this game. I I did get uh, tickets with a couple of our buddies, our Butterburger buddy Billy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and our buddy doogie we, we bought tickets to go see luca versus Giannis next monday so i'm so amped for that that's great yeah that'll be a lot of fun great matchup man yeah but i'm glad we didn't buy tickets for this new orleans at milwaukee game because zion will not be back and it'll probably be a beat down the the, the pelicans are kind of having a bit of a I don't know. They're having issues right now. It's there's even talk that JJ Redick is is on the trade block, which is like if they're if they're looking to move JJ Redick already, that means that they're resigned to the fact that they're not making the playoffs this year. Right. And if they're resigned to the fact that they're not making the playoffs this year already, then you start to take some deep breaths and say, what are they going to do with Zion? And I don't want to. That's why I, I really hated seeing the JJ Redick. Uh, potential injury or trade rumor stuff. Cause if, if the, if the Pelicans are pointed towards next year, then, then you just, you start to like, this is why we need a late season tournament to keep teams from, from 
stopping to compete and resting their guys or just looking towards next season. It's so frustrating. But yeah, the, the Pelicans are going to get beat down. Uh, yeah. Next game, Oklahoma City Thunder at the Sacramento Kings. Terrence Ferguson remains out with right hip soreness. Daniel Gallinari will be back in action after he missed the previous game with an ankle sprain. And I, th- I think Daniel's last game, he, I think he was just sitting out the second game of a back-to-back, to be honest. Uh, Corey Joseph, probable for the Sacramento Kings. Bogdan Bogdanovich and Marvin Bagley, probable for the Sacramento Kings. It'll be fun to have uh, Marvin Bagley back in action, most likely. Hopefully, he just gets slotted right back into the starting power forward job, which should mean Nemanja Bielitsa moving to the bench, and then more of a time crunch there for all the forwards on this team, whether you're talking about maybe Harrison Barnes getting a little bit squeezed, uh, but probably most definitely guys like Trevor Ariza and maybe even Bogdan Bogdanovich getting squeezed a little bit. Are you a Marvin Bagley fan? I am. I I actually had him on my roster for most of last year. I, I still think he's going to end up being really good. I know there's a lot of flack going towards the Kings or anybody, I guess, also just the Suns for not taking Luka, but it's still so young. It's still so early in the process. These players are just a, a year in, and I think Bagley will still be really good, but obviously, you know, you should have taken Luka. Okay. <laughs> I just I, 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 whatever I, I, whatever statement you were making yeah. about still giving it time, maybe to well, see how how Bagley gestates. But yeah, he can still be really good. I'm not saying. I mean, it's hard to say that. Oh, he'll turn up to be as good as Luca. That's nobody can really do what he's doing or what he's done or what he possibly can do. But it doesn't mean that Bagley can't be an awesome NBA player. Yeah, but. Yeah, whatever. I I don't I, I guess um there will come a time where on the podcast we sit and we do redrafts of past drafts together and yeah. and that'll be fun to have those conversations then. But in a general sense, I'm not super big on having the oh Luke Kennard was drafted one pick ahead of of Donovan Mitchell type stuff. I'm like, cool. What was the context? Who did right. they have? You know, right. there's there's so much that goes into your draft decisions, and like, I think it's more fun, and we will end up doing this to just what it'll be fun to go in and, and redraft teams, build squads. And that'll yeah. be that'll be a good time. Um, Marvin Bagley coming back though is of course cool to see. It's it's just it's there's a little bit of a bittersweet thing in regard to like Nemanja Bielitz has been really fun lately. And he had that that big three pointer in the last game too. Yeah, he played great in the back to back Sunday and Monday, and was is just it was very special the 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 two games he had and the huge game winner Monday night over the Rockets in Houston. Uh, final game of the night for Wednesday: New York at Golden State Warriors. At least the Knicks finally get a team in the Warriors who are almost as bad as they are. So. Who would have thunk it? Crazy. Wayne Ellington is questionable with sore left Achilles. That's kept him out of a couple games. Reggie Bullock remains out for the Knicks. And then on the Warrior side of things, Damian Lee is probable with the hand fracture that's kept him out recently. And uh, Eric Pascal is questionable with left hip soreness. 
Pascal played just 22 minutes in the previous game, and I think that might have been why. We didn't see any injury stuff reported at the time, but coming into this game, having him added to the injury report, it seems that that's probably why Pascal was limited in the previous game. Um, I guess the only thing to really say about this is hopefully having a team, hopefully having a game against the Warriors and helps the Knicks, I guess, find a little bit more of a direction. But the fact that it's a second night of a back to back on the road, you know, it's, there's not going to be a practice. <laughs> there's not going to be an opportunity for Mike Miller to add anything new to the situation. I, I would hope that he walks into this game though and says, Hey, you know what I can change? The starting lineup. Just put a small forward in at small forward <laughs> or or a center in at center, but really a small forward at small forward would be great. That's well, really I love the irony of like um saying, Hey, we're gonna start shooting more three pointers and we're gonna build an offense that's got more space around Julius Randle so that he can actually drive to the rim. And then you don't change the, the the lineup configuration at all. You don't put any more shooters in the starting lineup. So then you still have Frank Nalekeen out there, who's not a shooter. You still got Marcus Morris out there, who's shooting great from three-point land this year. But it's not like he's a this guy who has like tremendous gravity to help open up lanes for everybody else that's on the court. R.J. Barrett, not known as a great shooter. He's a driver, too. Hogwash. <laughs> uh, well, Kyle, do you have uh, any final thoughts on the night? No. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. We'll be back again tomorrow with a show uh, after the games. And then uh, that's about it. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, especially on iTunes if you have it. Even if you don't listen on iTunes these days, you're listening on Spotify, whatever app you use. If you still have access to itunes whether it's on your desktop or on your phone or an old iphone that you just can log into really quick leave a review for us it'd be super helpful to get us on the help get us on the front page of itunes because it just it, it just matters a lot as far as getting people's eyes on the podcast and getting people to to say oh what's that one why is that morning hoops podcast mixed in with all these popular pad- podcasts with big people with big names on it that's right uh, speaking of names, mine is Anthony Denu. His is Kyle McEwen. You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Denu. He is at RotoKyleNBA. We appreciate you tuning in. Once again, rate, subscribe, review. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Grow your beards out.